to South Charlotte Prez. My name is Dean Faulkner. I'm the lead pastor here at South Charlotte, and it's great to have all of you here tonight for this first ever Lessons and Carol service. We're a newer church, and you can say if you've ever visited here, you were here for the very first Lessons and Carol service. Hopefully, it'll be for decades, maybe hundreds of years to come until the Lord returns. We'll see. Uh, we are here to worship Jesus tonight, to worship the Christ who came and dwelt among us, a Jesus who is a personal Lord who wants to know us and wants us to know him. And because of that, we're going to sing about it tonight. And we're going to do it through something called a Lessons in Carol service. And a Lessons in Carol service, if you're not familiar, is, is kind of a call and response service where we will read scripture from up front and you as the people and we together will sing songs in response to the gospel that we'll listen for throughout the service. Now, here's the key. When you're in a Lessons in Carol service, you listen for themes you listen for uh, gospel ideas. You listen for things about Jesus. And tonight, I want you to listen for things about Jesus as the leader king that we always long for. And to that end, well, I'd invite you now to stand as we hear the call to worship to our king who has come to dwell among us. From Psalm 98, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation, and he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. In the sight of God, we have a marvelous king who's come to be with us. Let's sing to that end.
Shepherds in the field. Shepherds in the field abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with us is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Saints before the altar bending, watching seated. Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Will you stand?
verses from Isaiah 7 and 11. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and and shall call his name Emmanuel. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be the full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. Oh 
silently. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His head. No ear may hear His Pray with me this, this afternoon or evening. <laughs> Father, we come into your presence as we've just sung, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That your son, Jesus Christ, came into space and time to do your will, to glorify you and himself by living a sinless, perfect life, keeping the law perfectly, and then dying on a cross for things he didn't do. Taking that penalty that we deserved so we could have life through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we are thankful for your grace and your mercy, your kindness and your love. And we ask as we continue in worship, as we continue hearing from you through your word, singing your praises, that you would be present and that you would capture our minds, captivate our hearts, draw us up into your presence so that we may behold you, your character, who you are. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Bethlehem, come to 
Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the wise men. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Stand with us. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we travelers of
frankincense to offer. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense of the Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he had brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every root of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, 
to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There is a game, a kid's game called Follow the Leader. I'm sure many of you did it when you were a kid. It's a, it's a game where you actually get together a group of people. It could be a circle, a line, maybe even several teams working together, and they choose a leader, and the leader would often uh, do something physically or with their face or something goofy, and the rest of the people on the team would have to do it and do it exactly like the leader did it. And, of course, the way the game worked is if you didn't do what the leader did exactly, then you were out until you finally got down to the winner, who was uh, really the true leader. And the interesting thing about this particular fact is that for a game like this to work well, for the followers to follow well, you've got to have a really good leader. Well, today in excuse me, Isaiah 9, and whatever else we've heard tonight from Scripture, we're going to talk about a little bit about leadership, especially in this Christmas season. And that's because there's this running theme of kingship, leadership, all throughout these uh, Christmas scriptures. And uh, Christianity and scripture has something very clear to say about leadership for us in our time, even in the history of mankind. No, but no doubt, if I talk about leadership, we all here would say that's one of the biggest debates going on in our nation and in our world today. Everywhere you go, whether it's in politics or business, even the home, it's, there's a debate about what real leadership looks like. And so that brings us to the bigger question, what does a real and a good leader look like? And we might even ask, what's that got to do with Christmas, of all things? Well, um, Isaiah 9 in this reading really gets to the whole matter. It talks about governments, it talks about wars, it talks about oppression, and someone coming, someone coming to attend to all these things. And it addresses really how the people of God were being led in that time. The story of Christianity is embedded that we uh, were meant to be led, and we were also meant to lead. That's what shows up in Isaiah. That's what shows up even from the very first chapters of Genesis. We are meant to be led, and we're meant to lead in that order. And that's what Scripture teaches plainly about um, this whole idea of leadership. And yet the interesting thing about leadership is that God created us with glory to lead in all kinds of venues. I mean, some of us here are business leaders. Uh, some could even be political leaders in time. Uh, some of you are, are leaders in your home. Uh, that's no small leadership task to be a mother or father or whatever role you take in a civic life or even church life. You have dignity because of your leadership. We're made to be led were made to lead. But here's the thing about human leadership and the long history of mankind as we know it. Mankind's leadership falters. Again and again, great empires, great nations, even great companies rise and they fall. And inevitably they fall because of a leader or a series of leaders who don't handle things well. The Bible is no different with the story of leadership. That's what the wonderful truth of the Bible is. It it shows the glories of great leaders and at the same time shows their warts, shows their brokenness. We have the rise of heroes and sheroes in Scripture, like Abraham, like Deborah, like David, 
like Elijah. And yet, we have the fall of our heroes and sheroes too. We have the fall of, of Abraham, who lies about his wife multiple times, saying she's his sister. Moses has a temper so bad that he killed a man and then eventually gets mad at uh, the people of God while they're in the wilderness. And then, of course, there's the fall of David. King David, a man after God's own heart who wrote a significant portion of the scriptures and the Psalms, has an affair and tries to hide it by killing a man, a man who served him faithfully in his army. In our history, even in our Bible, we can say with absolute confidence that while there have been leaders with great achievement, who've done glorious and wonderful things in every venue of life, there also has been the darkness. They've been flawed. We've been flawed and broken and even disappointed. Ever felt that way about a leader you know? A leader you watch? Disappointed? Ever been a leader who's disappointed by not coming through for people in your life who you oversee? Isaiah 9 is all about how God's people were in darkness because of the failure of leaders, a series of leaders and kings who led the people away from God and into idolatry and sin. And it, Isaiah 9 tells us that it, it, these leaders uh, really ended up making one huge mistake. They started relying on themselves. And that looked like even sometimes an over-reliance on politics. We haven't heard that before, have we? Interesting dynamic also occurs in Isaiah 9 and the whole book of Isaiah. Not only do the leaders poorly lead, but the people respond in an intriguing way. In fact, the followers of leaders get so sick and tired of the leaders, they actually do the next most dangerous thing. They try to lead themselves. The story of mankind is not just one where leaders fail, it's where followers go and try and lead themselves. Isaiah 9 is effectively a story of the failure of leadership, a comedy of errors in leadership and in human sin. And that's the real issue at heart for us, that all of us inside are broken so that our leadership and decision-making in all kinds of places that we lead, that we say, let's take the hill, whatever that looks like, shows up and we try to lead ourselves. I've got a friend who's a business leader. We spent some time this week. He consults with executives, and he is a follower of Christ. Yes, Lord? No. God's calling. <laughs> you know, that's the wonder of being in a school. There's all kinds of things happen that you have no control over. So I've got this friend. He consults with executives. He's a follower of Christ. His specialty is in growing companies. And so in growing company, he spends time with executives who are in companies that are really experiencing brand new success and growth. And he says uh, an interesting uh, dynamic occurs in these companies. What he's noticed is that the leader who is, who is growing the business inevitably comes to the end of himself, his knowledge, his experience, his skill set 
inevitably it happens, even though the company's really doing well for all kinds of reasons. But what he's noticed is this, that the, 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 the leaders inevitably do this. They decide to double down on themselves. They, they, instead of getting help and getting counsel, getting people who know better than they do in some things, they double down on themselves. They try to figure it out. They work harder with more hours. Time and again, he sees this. And the result is it leaves a wake of trouble in the company, in his life, and more often than not, in his families and his marriages, or her family in her marriage. My friend says the real thing that these leaders have to do, and this is all they have to do, is this. Ask for help. Ask for help. That's all they have to do is ask for help. That's what human sin does to us, just so we're clear. It leads us to double down on ourselves and to refuse to ask for help. And I know I'm talking to a competent, sharp group of people here. And I know my own heart as a leader. What the gospel calls us to is to call on someone bigger than ourselves when we come to the end of ourselves in our sin. And that's where the gospel comes in in Isaiah 9, where God sends his son Jesus into our world and our history to be the leader that you and I always wanted. Isaiah 9 promised that Jesus would come as a child that promise was made 700 years before he ever actually come. There are other promises that go back in Scripture that talk specifically about Jesus coming in, his, in God's time. Not only that, Isaiah 9 tells us what kind of leader that Jesus would be. He wouldn't be a president who we vote in and out. He wouldn't be a CEO answering to a board and its shareholders. He'd be a king. A sovereign Lord who would lead the world in a kingdom. A king who answers to no one. Everyone answers to him as God in the flesh. This kingdom that Jesus is building is pretty extraordinary. It's, it's durable. I like using that word because it talks in our text about that kingdom being eternal. It lasts forever. Isaiah 9 says that his rule and his kingdom has no end. Could you imagine that? An actual, a company, an organization, a church, uh, 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 even a culture having no end. That's what Jesus' kingdom is like. Businesses, nations, yes, even churches come and go. But this kingdom will last for eternity because it's, it's God's eternal kingdom. Now let me tell you the implications of this. The kingdom goes on past this broken world and it goes past death. That's the wonder of an eternal kingdom that has no end. It's a durable kingdom we can hope for beyond the grave that keeps going on forever. Now, Isaiah 9 tells us more about Jesus' king. It tells us he's divine. It tells us he's human. It, it, it tells us that he was born of a woman. Uh, he's born into a place called Galilee. It's even mentioned in our text, Zebulun, Naphtali, Galilee. You say, what are that? That's in the north. Now, you've got to understand, Galilee... Uh, in comparison to, say, Charlotte, would be like this. It would be like a, Galilee would be to um, Jerusalem as Spivey's Corner, North Carolina, would be to Charlotte. Spivey's Corner, you know what that is. That's the hollering capital of the world. It's where they do hog hollering every year together. 
That's the analogy. Galilee was the boondocks. It wasn't the sophisticated type, yet Jesus was born in this very place to a very human family who were kind of living in a double wide, lower middle class, uh, a carpenter's family. They still had every day uh, dirt under their fingernails. And yet at the same time, well, it's talking about this kind of place where Jesus would be born and how he'd be born very human. Isaiah 9 tells us how he is divine. It gives us these extraordinary descriptors of who he is, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those are all divine titles. He is the mighty God. I will highlight that one for you. Another way to kind of understand mighty God in the Hebrew, the hero you always wanted. The leader who's the hero that makes it through and goes to the end. We do love our heroes, don't we? That's why we go watch movies. Let's hear it for Braveheart. Let's hear it for Harry Potter. You know, these are our heroes. Well, Jesus far exceeds these infinitely so as the ultimate and true hero that we long for. The shocker of this leader, Jesus is his purpose that's revealed later on in Isaiah, and it's simply this. He came to serve. This is a different kind of leader than we're used to. We like the strong leader. We like the leader who comes with authority and competence. No doubt Jesus had all of that. But the intriguing thing about Jesus in his life is that he actually gave his life at a cross. He defined leadership by service by going low, by dying for the people who would not follow him. That's you and me in our sin and and in our struggles. Jesus says this in Mark 10, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the real heart and soul of Jesus' purpose in our life and in his purpose. I'll put it this way in business terms. Jesus downsized himself in a downsizing age. As we come to Christmas this season, as we look on the news pages and see story after story of leaders who normally are falling because that's what, that's what the newspapers love, as we feel the ache in our heart for our leaders in this world from family to business to politics to sports to get it right, and they just don't get it right, remember this, we too have fallen short. We don't get it right as followers and leaders ourselves. And all you have to do to find the leader that you were made for is to ask for help to ask for help from Christ. You see, there are many leaders in this world who will say, follow me. But how many leaders in this world do you know that'll say, follow me forever? Seek the king. Follow the true leader. The one you not only wanted, but the one you needed. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that Jesus came 2,000 years ago as the leader that we not only want, but really the leader we need. 
you, Jesus, the King of kings, God in the flesh, dying, bleeding for us, and the ways we don't want to follow you, Lord. We pray today that you would take our hearts and you'd soften them and you would draw us to yourself in a way that we'd be drawn to you as our Lord and Savior, either by renewal of our faith tonight or even daring to think how we could ask for help from you so that we might follow the true leader. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us adore. In Christ the Lord. I want to sing that again as you stand. Oh, come, let us adore him.
Thanks for coming to worship tonight. Invite everybody to stick around. We have a dinner waiting for you on the other side. So college students, if you're here, happy days for you guys. We also encourage anyone, if you want to talk to us about this Christ whom we've talked about tonight, Josh and I are available to do that with you now or even in the weeks to come. We invite you to come back and explore who the Jesus is if you're hearing about him for the first time. Now hear the benediction of our Lord. There is a Christ who has entered your world in the, these coming weeks of Christmas. He wants to break into your world yet again. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God, be all honor and glory and all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in peace.